listener exclusive. And welcome to our podcast series as we explore some of the great local stories from our local businesses that you'd be very familiar with, but maybe you don't know what story lies behind them getting to where they are. And this week we feature an iconic local business. Make sure you stick around to the end of the podcast too if you're trying to crack the money map for a chance to win $500 cash. If you're listening to this over the weekend of the 29th and 30th of October, then we have an exclusive clue for you at the end of the podcast coming up. In the meantime, enjoy. Well, if you've been in this part of the world for any amount of time, you would absolutely know the phrase, you can't buy better than Vitros Brothers. It is an institution in a couple of parts of our region, particularly here in Toowoomba, in Russell Street, and also in Dalby. Uh, And it's a business that began in 1938. And like all of our wonderful local long-time businesses, has an incredible story. The face of Vitros Brothers for many decades has been Bevan Vitros, and he joins me for the podcast. G'day, mate. How are you, Lee? I'm well. I'm well. And and what an extraordinary local business story Vitros Brothers is. And as I say, it started June 1938. Uh, two brothers, Peter, which I believe is your dad, yeah, uh, yeah. one of the brothers, uh, with a bit of help from mum and dad, start a, a grocery store. How how does that get to that point? Where How did mum and dad end up in Toowoomba? Well, our dad originally came from Glen Innes. They were, they were living down there. They had nothing. Like, I remember stories of uh, dad and his, his brother George, who opened the business with him, yep. and his uh, sister Sarah. They were there in the house. Glen Innes was very cold you know, in the winter. And um, <clears throat> their mum and dad never ate dinner with the kids. They waited to see if there was any food left over. Then they ate dinner. Wow. That, that's how things work. So that's your of, grandparents. Yeah. And, and how, did they uh, emigrate to Australia? Some did. Some were born yep. in Australia, depending okay. on which side they came from. Okay. But uh, we're going a fair way back there. Yeah. And, and there's, there's lots of stories of our early ancestors yep. coming out here with nothing and didn't speak the lingo. And a lot of them uh, walk, wow. walked the roads to get work. And I, I've heard and the story of walking and, the railway yeah, line. And uh, they ended up where they could get work and they settled. Some started hawking stuff around the place, but they started with nothing. And I mean nothing, you know. You, you, you get a tear in your eye when you hear how your your parents went without food, and uh, or, or they got fed, but their parents never got fed. Yeah. Unless there was enough food to go around. But things picked up. But hard work was it? Yeah, got rewards, and that, that's absolutely. Where it went. And uh, eventually. I don't have a lot of details about how yeah. they got to Toowoomba, but yep. uh, that's where they ended but they up. They come here, and and mm. despite the fact they're on the you yeah. know back end of a of a depression that was yeah. one of the yeah. worst that, that we've ever seen, I uh, were able to open yeah. a, a small grocery store, small fruit uh, shop, a, a little fruit yeah. shop, is it? Yeah. And so where was that? Where was the that original was in, store? Um, where the Shrine Church set up is yeah. in, in Ruffin Street. There was a uh, little bit of a store there. Then over the back. Uh, in Annan Street, there was an old shed there. Yep. Even behind the the Russell Street, the Ruffin Street store there, where the Shrine think there, yep. it went right back. There's an old shed there. That was the wholesale started in there. Then uh, Dad would have bought the site back over the road at Annan Street. Yes, the old Key Cutters was next door there. Right. And it got developed. Yeah, you know, year after year, we sort of expanded. Yeah. And then um, the uh, I think where the fruit shop was was an old grocery store called Banahans. It's beyond my memory. But then after that, we outgrew that. We went over the road to 507 to 511 Ruffin Street. Right. 
and uh, that's in the process of redevelopment soon. Yes. We, we moved out of the, We did a couple of renovations there. Yep. And we moved out of there a few years back now. Um, there was an office concept store went in there, but I think he's gone now too. I think there's sort of redevelopment coming into that area right to the corner of Little Street. So um, it's just been a progressive thing over the years. And I think somewhere around 1960, Dad uh, decided they'd go to Dolby and they uh, bought a shop out there, a yes. small shop out there. And it moved a couple of times too and eventually went to where it is now back in uh, uh, 1988. That's okay. where we developed that one. That's the one that's disappearing shortly. <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, that is part of the story that, yeah. that you know, the, the Dolby store, uh, you've yeah. had to make the very right. difficult decision to close that store. Yeah. My my mother's family, uh, her, her maiden name was La Hood, L-A-H-W-O-D. They had the general store in Cecil Plains. Right. Yeah. Before they moved into Toowoomba and then they eventually moved to Sydney. It, uh, so I've got rallies down in Sydney we're pretty close with. But uh, and, uh, that's where uh, your dad and uh, mum met there. Uh, when they moved to Toowoomba from Cecil Plains, they ran the Red Line service station, which is on the corner of West and Stephen Street. Okay. I'm not sure if it's still called the Red Line. No, it, but, but it's still where, there. still a servo there. I think there. that's where Dad used to meet Mum. They'd, he'd go there and she'd pump the petrol and things went from there. How about yeah. that? So that, yeah, you're going back a fair way there now. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so when um, this when this hmm. store, for, I mean, you know, these days, of course, so, you know, refrigerated trucks yeah. and everything, yeah. uh, and you go down the markets on a regular yeah. basis. When back in those days, hmm. I mean, how did they get the produce well, to I, sell in their little store? Well, my dad would drive down to the markets every morning at three or four in the every morning. Every day? Yeah. And I mean, this would be in an old truck that wouldn't yep. have air conditioning, power steering, you know, you comfort seats. You no, you know, they did it hard, and they wow. And, they back. and then you had a few local growers as well, and it developed yep. from there. As you got bigger and bigger, you bought your own trucks, and then um, yep. your own drivers went on. Then after a while, that was uneconomical because the truck was sitting empty for half the day. Yeah. So then you went into contractors in eighty years. You know, where, okay. where we employ what we do now, we employ contract drivers to bring the goods up you know, yep. and go to go to Dolby and stuff like that. So it just develops over the years as you get bigger and bigger. Yeah. I can only imagine that you would have seen an extraordinary change in trends when it comes to what Australians buy. Very uh, so. Because, you know, if you go, I mean, certainly going back into the 1940s, <laughs> but even going back when I was a kid in the 1970s, uh, you know, Australians were very, very down the line with the food that they ate. I mean, my yeah. parents never bought garlic and, right. and uh, you know, all these things. And, and now uh, the change over those decades you must have seen in, the, oh, in this yeah. area well, must there, have been extraordinary. There was such thing as sprouts and... No. And, and those sprouts and all those fancy vegetables and stuff. Like <laughs> in those right. days, it was potatoes, pumpkin, carrots, onions. That's it. Parsnip, turnip, maybe, you know. Yep. And rock melons were seasonal. Watermelons were seasonal. Yes. Cauliflowers were seasonal. You never got them all year round. All year round. And grapes you only saw. There was no imported fruit and vegetables, you know. And now everybody wants everything all year round. Because that's and was that change brought about by supermarkets, the introduction of the supermarkets coming yeah. in in the 70s and early Very 80s? Much so. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to bring it in from overseas. And this, it was a silly thing to do, really. But well, that's the way it is there. Yeah. Um, but now... Uh, the fruit is pretty well grown in Australia all year round, except yes. perhaps we import grapes, which I prefer we didn't, but we do import grapes yeah. now, and we import cherries out of season and stuff like that. But basically, the, a lot of the other fruit is grown all year round in Australia. Now, what we can't grow out here in the uh, winter is grown in the Northern Territory. Yep. Like the mangoes are coming early from now from Northern Territory. They've been around for a month or two now. Yes. A lot of rock melons through the winter growing up in the Northern Territory, northwest Western Australia, yep. as well as far north Queensland. The only thing upsetting things at the moment is the weather changes. We're getting yes. 
Yeah. Like, uh, for example, mangoes, the Northern Territory crop, it's not doing well at all this year because of the weather. Yeah. You can't pick them. And then you've got the other shortage of picking business going on everywhere. That's right, because they couldn't get workers and, in. That's uh, right. That's it. The, it's very volatile all over Australia at the moment because of weather. But uh, basically, we can grow nearly everything in Australia all year round except for those couple of lines I mentioned. Extraordinary. And so uh, that's where it went West Australia right through up to northwest, northern, uh, northwest Western Australia. Okay. Stuff crabs from anywhere and everywhere now. Now, you mentioned a few different sites uh, yeah. of the evolution of, of Beach yeah, Ross Brothers yeah. in Toowoomba in particular. Uh, so when did the Russell Street store open? We went up there in, um, I think it was about 80. Okay. Ninety-eighty. Dad said, we've got to get into this seven-day business. and store So it. prior to that, it was five days a week? Five and a half, yeah. Yep. Yep. And then the uh, the sad day, you, you, even then it was still sad day lunchtime. Then you had these other fruit shops. There was one at, out Rufford and Alderley called yep. Peter Pumpkin and one right. out the other end called Shirley's Fruit Mark. And they started trading illegally on Saturday afternoons and Sunday because you weren't supposed to do this. It was ridiculous at the time because <laughs> you could sell a can of peaches, but you couldn't sell a bottle of tomato sauce. And we had, oh, we had wow. meetings with ministers, I think Vince Lester at the time, and things started to change after a while because, well, what are you supposed to do? Put a, You can trade on Sunday hour, but you can't sell certain items, so you're supposed to drop a tarpaulin over the hood. <laughs> all this nonsense went on for ages. Anyway, at the end of the day, we all got pushed into seven-day trading. Yep. And in those days, the independents did quite well because the supermarkets weren't allowed seven Open days on a late. Sunday, that's right. When they got the go-ahead on Sunday, it destroyed the whole fabric of shopping. That's a shame. Even the Saturday lunchtime thing, it was uh, shut at 12. Yes. And uh, then they went right through. When, in fact, if they just gave us that extra hour. Yes. Because people were always rushing then. But people's habits change all the time now, you know. We've still got a couple of stores who don't open Saturday Ave and Sunday Ave, they're hanging on. But uh, basically the food business, you've got to be open seven days a week. And in our game, it's only getting a day older if you don't open. Yes. So we open there every day of the year except Good Friday and Christmas Day. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, it was two brothers with the help yeah. of mum and dad and, and your yeah. uh, your father, Peter, being yeah. one of those brothers. Yeah. The other moving away and uh, and and sort of, you know, not, not having uh, anything to do then with yeah. the continuation yeah. of the business. So how young were you when you first got involved in the business? Was it just sort of part of the family to come after school yeah, and, we and weekends and that sort of thing? Saturday morning. Yep. And uh, I remember Tom Stenzel was our manager downtown. You went down there and you bagged tomatoes and put this out and put that out. Yeah, yeah you got So you were treated no different to any other staff member. I mean, you, uh, you had to do everything free, else. I got a free ice cream. A free ice cream, okay. <laughs> and we used to go down and unload melons <laughs> off the truck and things like that when they yes. come in the If you dropped a melon, you had to sit down and eat it. That was the rule. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was no forklifts and pallets. Everything was unloaded by hand. Oh, And you God. have a ramp going up to the truck at a, at a barrow. You wheel off the bag of potatoes. You wheel off the workplace health and safety. You have a fit if that's <laughs> what went out of those days, you know. <laughs> So, how many siblings uh, in in your family? Like well, you, there's you, six you, boys. There were six boys. Yeah. Okay. So, and and you end up the one who becomes the face of this business here locally. Quite unfortunate. Okay. Yes. Right. Because <laughs> you all go to uni and do yep, your own yep, thing, us, yep. and you've all got your own outside interests. Yep. Of course, anyone yep. locally would know uh, you were the drummer for decades and yep. still with yep. the yep. countdowns with yep. Owen Ray and yep. the incredible group of local musicians. Yep. Uh, so you've all got your other things we going do. on. Yep. Uh, but but you 
ended up the one uh, that that fronted the business. Yeah, for yeah, for, for social media and ads and all that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. I suppose I had a bit of the gift of the gab for being on stage and not, yep. not being afraid of cameras and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, Kerry, as you know, is he's around Adam Street and he's the uh, chairman of the Heritage, of course. Yes. And Murray carries a lot of the weight up there at uh, Russell Street. Yes. Know? The other brother, Peter, used to be our buyer at Brisbane. He's retired now. Okay. He was a school teacher. Yep. Yeah. I've got one brother, Chris, who's in Japan. He's a internet journalist. Wow. And he's over in Tokyo. And the other brother, young Danny, he's up at uh, Cairns. He's into real estate in a big way up there. So Dang we're scattered yeah. around a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and so then, as I say, you're the one that, that becomes the face of these iconic adverts. <laughs> uh, who came up with You Can't Buy Better Than Vitros Brothers? Oh, I mean, was that an advertising exec that's given you that, or were you guys driving that and saying this? This is the message that we I, want to get. I remember out there. a young lady that worked for us at uh, Ruffin Street once. Karen was her name, and um, not sure Karen, but uh, long time ago, she said better bargains at Beatrice Brothers, and and that rang a bell somewhere. Yep. And we we I can't remember who put the slogans together. You can't buy better than Beatrice Brothers, but we did the jingles. You know, we yeah. recorded quite a few of them here actually. And uh, that's right. recorded online elsewhere. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't exactly remember who, who put the, the final one together, but uh, a lot of the work was done here with uh, yep. you guys, Forge Hour, with, with you for many, many years, way, yeah. way back. You know, I can remember doing cookie demonstrations. You've done them yourself. I have done for you. That's right. got a photo up there of Graham Healy in bell-bottom trousers and a lady dressed as a pineapple. That's <laughs> right. I've seen that. <laughs> and that lady's in Tasmania. You guys actually found her. On, on, yeah, That's right, incredible. we did too. Yeah. Uh, and and just a wonderful connection there. Yeah. And of course, then speaking of that, uh, on 4GR with yeah. Graham, yeah. Uh, once a week, every week, yeah. uh, you came on to tell us what was going on yeah, with the, the latest uh, you know, trends in fruit and yeah. veg and what yeah. we should and shouldn't buy and all of that sort of stuff. We did but that for many, many years. Many years, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How absolutely. Oh, Everything's just, changed now, but. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, things not, have just moved on. Not all for on. the better either. Not all no. for the better, you know. But, no, uh, I agree. You've got to move along. Yeah. You've got to move along. So, so over COVID then, I yeah. uh, one part of the business booms, uh, and that is the business where you supply commercial restaurants and so forth yes. with with food because our trends changed and people are ordering uh, home delivery, yes. so they're not necessarily coming to the supermarket to buy stuff and mm. go home and cook. They're buying the end product, so wow. you, that side of the business becomes the bigger entity. Yeah? It, it is at the moment too. Yeah. Like it, it, they, it stayed the like all the. Uh, when you see the amount of food that goes places through places like the the, agri, the big hotels that where, whether you're talking federal or the stock exchange or the royal, yes, hotel, huge amounts of food going to the golf club, huge amounts of food going through these places. Yep, and uh, it's all got to be supplied, of course. And so people aren't cooking as much or eating out as much at home. Yeah, you know, especially when it's there's no big families as much anymore. There's only two of them. So even in Dobby, you know, we'll go down to the pub and the two of us will have dinner for sixteen or eighteen dollars each. Yeah, drink and. You know, that's a lot of the trend. Then you've got the Uber Eats type things or different ones delivered to the the door. But it's all got to be paid for somewhere. That's exactly right. So still the most economical thing is is to come in and, look, you buy a loaf of white bread off us for $1.79. Yes. Buy a tomato and a packet of ham. You're feeding yourself for two bucks. That's right. Exactly. For the most. Yep. If you want to. And and cook your own. I mean, vegetables, again, are very, very cheap again. Yep. At the last, at... um, Fruit's very cheap. We keep advertising how you can feed your family for under $40 for a week. Yes. And that's pretty good. 
That is yes. very good. You're certainly not going to do that buying it from takeaway stores. More, more so it, it's <laughs> just what sure. happens. So hard to, people yeah. all working, you can't be bothered or I'm tired. Or, you yeah. do what you've got to do. And uh, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying there's... That's that's what the options are. Yes, you know, absolutely. You can go and buy a coffee every day for eight dollars if you want to. Yeah, if you've got the money to do that, something yep. to be with it, or you can make your own cup of coffee for a dollar. You know, <laughs> exactly. So how how uh, how uh, old was Dad before he handed over control to the brothers? Well, or, or did it ever really happen? Did he really no, he, still he have got, control? He got ill. Life? He got ill. And okay. he, he retired in his. Uh, in his seventies, okay, and, and, and uh, yep. but he was still around for advice and stuff yes. like that, you know. Yep. So uh, no, I'm, I'm sure you had was, had still that passion for it, <laughs> yeah. you know, that it was his yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. He pushed us into Russell Street, you know. Yes, we wouldn't be still around, you know, as it is. That uh, he pushed us to open that place, and we we built that, and we did that, you know. That was sort of my baby getting that built, you know. Okay. It was, um, and same with Dolby, it was just what yep. you did at the time. Dolby, we moved from uh, Cunningham Street in the main street across to where we are now on Condamine and Drayton on the yes. corner there. We built that place. It was an old, uh, I think it was a recent, it was a car yard site there for a while. Okay. Yeah, it, it was empty for ages. My manager out there, Jeff, found the spot and said, this is where we need to go. So yep. and he's been with me over 40 years and, and uh, we're all, he's retiring. Well, no, he's not retiring. Actually, he's got to come in here and, and do a bit with us and handle the wholesale in Dolby. And he suffers a little bit of ill health, but he's still with us. He's been with us over 40 years and um, we're a family business, you know. That's right. We've had people like, uh, who've been with us, like uh, the lady in charge of flowers up there, Barbie, she's yep. been with us and left on three or four times to have family and keeps coming back, you know, and that's what we do in our, in our business. It's a uh, very family oriented. Absolutely. Know? Lots of long-term employees. Very much so. Uh, yeah. We've, we've been up to the stage where we've had 200 people in, in employment over the whole group, but yes. we're down under a hundred now, but it's okay. well, things change, you know? Yeah. So what's next? What's next? Well, we're all getting older to retirement age. Yes. Uh, the wholesale and Russell Street are on the market. It's, it's no secret. They've been on the market for several years now. Yes. Um, it hasn't got around to an age of any, to a stage where anybody has made an offer, any firm offer of anything. Yep. There are plenty of uh, people that would redevelop the sites, but yes. that's not where, not what we're into at the moment. Fair enough. These are multi-million dollar businesses doing a, a pretty vital trade into Warmer and an yeah. important trade. So we're looking for somebody to buy the wholesale and the uh, Russell Street yes. and redevelop them and uh, keep them going. Wonderful. Improve upon them, so keep our staff going. And so we're around for a little while, So, but uh, we're, we're working hard to get new owners in somewhere. Let's hope that happens. But if there's a family out there somewhere that's interested in working, and that's one of the problems, isn't it, this it, day and age? It is, absolutely. I mean, it's been flogged all over the country. So, yes. So uh, not a lot of lookers, a lot of interest, a lot of interest in the site. Yeah, but not taking Street, over a business there as well. But um, yeah. I think they'd get cut up and put into different things, and you know. But uh, we're we're hopeful. There's people looking, but uh, nothing concrete at this stage about where businesses will go. So it's still Beatrice Brothers going strong for the time being. So well, it's a, we it is an icon, mm. and please do that. You you still can't buy better mm. than Beatrice Brothers after all of these years. An absolute icon in our part of the world. And uh, Bevan Beatrice, uh, thank you for what uh, you and your family have done for our community, uh, but also thank you for your time on our podcast. Thank you, Lee. It's been a pleasure. Well, you've made it to the end of the podcast. And if you're listening to this before the 31st of October 2022, then here is your exclusive clue for the money map on Monday morning. And it is the Groom Electorate. 
All right, the groom electorate. We expect you call Monday on one triple three five three. We'll talk to you then, and we'll continue with this podcast series too, highlighting some of our great local businesses and the story behind them. And if there's a business you think we should highlight, make sure you let us know.